Welcome, everybody, once again to Why We Geek, the podcast where we take a specific piece of geek culture, uh, a piece of sports culture, whatever it may be. We dissect it. We take it apart. We show you why we love it. And in some cases, why we want to see it improve, why we want to see it continue to evolve, et cetera, et cetera. The list gets longer and longer each time. But welcome back to Why We Geek. It's been a while. It's been actually since February when we had all of the Disney coverage for the first two months of the year. And today I'm happy to say that we're not going to be covering more Disney stuff. I know some people will be disappointed about it, but it's okay. Disney will be back eventually. But it's time for us to visit a topic that came up last year but didn't get a whole lot of spotlight. And I actually want to kind of change that this year. And that is anime. Now, in particular, when we tackled it last time, we talked anime in general. This time around, we're going to narrow the focus a little bit. And today's episode is going to be based on a beloved genre of anime, which is the magical girl genre. And of course, I'm being joined for my panel of Why We Geek with the shadow blazer himself, Alex Short. How are you doing tonight, Alex? Doing very well, thank you, because I just finished working on a review right before this, so it's all good. You're probably very excited about the topic right now, because oh, this very. this is this is beloved for you. Oh, yeah. Um. So, yeah, we're going to be talking magical girl anime. And for those who don't actually understand the premise of like what makes an anime a magical girl anime. Alex, do you want to go ahead and just kind of basically explain that for people before we get into the question so people can understand the premise here? Yeah, well, the basic concept of a magical girl anime, and there are a few exceptions here and there, but the most the most part, they are kind of what you can call an urban fantasy. So they're basically set in anywheresville, usually Japan, because it's anime, but any kind of like major city, town, whatever. And it's always some kind of young girl, some kind of adolescent teenager, usually. I, I would is... say like any because because you'd have like just to kind of narrow the ages down just a tad. I, I would say like a bare minimum, they need to be like eight to ten. And at, and at most, they can't be higher than like 20. Yeah, usually yeah. they're again, usually either very young or they're teenagers. Teenagers is kind of common. High school's the common there. But, you know, there are very young ones. There's also, like, middle schoolers. But they're always, like, usually set in a city. I don't want to say always because there are exceptions. They're set in cities usually. They're, and, of course, it's always predominantly female characters who have magical powers. How they get their powers always depends on the series in question. Yeah, um, but all, that's that's the basic kind of premise of it. Uh, I would actually say that if you've seen something along the lines of like the tokusatsu shows, you've also seen a lot of tropes that are, that are run kind of in line with magical yeah. girl. Like, magical girl is just strictly, um, rest it's restrictive in the fact that yes, there has to be a girl involved, but also powers don't necessarily have to be from stuff that is really aggressive based. It's mostly based around love, friendship, togetherness, things like that. Yeah. So with that being said, now we can actually start up into the podcast itself by asking the first question that I always ask in every one of these podcasts. What was your first magical girl anime, Alex, the shadow blazer? And also what was the one that kept you as like forever kept you as a fan of the magical girl genre? People might, people do ask occasionally why I ask these two kind of prong questions. The reason I do is because what got you into it isn't necessarily what keeps you there. Uh, you could eventually come across something that's even better in your mind and thus anchors you as a fan. Up until then, you just kind of had a passing interest. Mm -hmm. So what what were those for you, Alex? Well, my big introductory for me was Cardcaptor Sakura, or as it was known over here for the time, Cardcaptors. Uh, it was the first time I'd really seen any kind of show like that, because a lot of the shows I'd been watching at that point were a lot of the adventure shows like Digimon, like Pokemon, so it was always going out on a long journey, long difficult quest of some kind. Well, Card Captors was sort of the first one set in more or less an urban environment, which was very standout to me. Plus that was also the time I was just getting more into anime and more curious about it. But that's really my big introduction there. Granted, it took me quite a while. Um Card Captors had a very weird release here in America compared to everywhere else. Uh, 
Yes, um, as it was, it was kind of one of the. I, I guess it's now being called like every anime associated with them was victimized, and that is that uh, they were part of four kids. It wasn't four there. kids. No. Oh, it wasn't four kids. Okay. No, it was. It was licensed by Nirvana Entertainment, which primarily releases a lot of kids animation. You know, Maurice Sendex, Little Bear, uh, Franklin, shows like that. A lot of yeah. a lot of Disney Junior stuff was by them back then. I don't think I think they're still around. Yeah. And yeah, Nelvana is still around and most of its stuff is is kid based. Trust yeah. me, I have to see that Nelvana logo now. Yeah. As a parent. So. I mean, so it went through the usual very process of what a lot of anime back then when they got onto TV went through. They got localized. They got name changes. But here in America, Kids WB and its infinite wisdom decided to really patchwork the show. So they skipped around a lot because they wanted to make the main the other character, Shaoran Lee, or they reversed his name here in America, Lee Shaoran, uh, more of a feature character. I mean, the show is really all about Sakura. She is the title character. It's always revolving around her. So America, we're like, oh, girls don't watch TV. It's mostly boys and we got to sell toys and merchandise. And so they which is funny because like five years before that, that was that was not their approach. They basically just said, no, there are girl shows and then there are boy shows. And, and I'll get into that in, in, in my little rant, but go ahead. Yeah. And so we got the we got this weird skip around hopscotching bullshit with the series. I mean, everywhere else that got the localized dub, they got it in the full proper order. But they kept skipping and jumping around. So there were like episodes aired completely out of sequence, out of order. Sometimes they were spliced together from two different sources it kind of got confusing that's probably why it never really did super well just because i got a feeling people just couldn't keep up with it and which is I, weird to say because like everybody that i knew that watched it loved it i mean yeah like, i loved it too i loved it too and, and, and one of the reasons that they loved it was you know as much as we we knock on the the original dubs and everything like that that the theme song is what sold a lot of people yeah you know i mentioned that because i did a I did a list about my favorite dubbing themes, right? My favorite so theme songs from dub anime. And I included the Cardcaptors theme, which a lot of people I know railed against. I liked it then. I like it now. It's an old favorite for me. I like the yeah. Japanese ones just fine. I love the Japanese ones, but the... Yeah, the, I, I can't think of Cardcaptors without thinking of that theme song. The I dub's really theme song has a special place in my heart. And, you know, for, for all the flaws that Cardcaptors did have... I'm glad we got it. I'm glad I was able to see it. It, Of course, I also got to watch it in its original entirety much, much later, thanks to a friend of mine who had the entire DVDs uh, before they... He managed to get them all before they went out of print. I had to wait until the re-release from NISA. And and so Guard Captor Sakura was... I guess you could say it was also my definitive one to an extent. I probably have another one we'll get into a bit later, but Card Captor Sakura slash Card Captors is my first, and I guess you could also call it my definitive one. All right. Uh, so for me, it's a little bit more of a complicated one because, like I just explained, uh, when I actually watched my first Magical Girl show, um, you had the the distinction on TV that there were girls' cartoons and there were guys' cartoons. Uh, or there were boys cartoons. And and yes, boys catered more towards selling toys, whereas um, so did the girls. But it was more like sell the, the you know, insert doll here, you know, baby born or uh, the easy bake ovens. My or, little pony. Or like mini makeup kits. Yeah, stuff like that. That's where their their marketing kind of went. This is stuff that's that, that was going on long before like long into my early childhood where you know if you watch she-ra you were most likely a girl at least as far as advertisers were concerned and therefore you'd get a lot of my little pony barbie stuff there and then it went when it would switch back to transformers it was all gi joe you know <laughs> and, and yeah. that's the way it went so for me my first magical girl one actually was entirely by accident um i i I hadn't had really any access to because I'd, I'd written them off as, oh, that's a girl show. And girls have cooties. <laughs> um, and around that or around my, the time of my first Magical Girl, I was actually watching Sonic Sat AM on USA. 
They they actually got it, and and I wasn't able to finish the series. Sorry, would you were... would you repeat what what it was? Because my stream froze up on me for a sec. No, it's fine. Um, so I was wa so the way I came across it was I was actually watching Sonic Sat AM on USA because when it was doing its run on the networks, I was not able to watch it all the way through. I, I got like a couple of episodes and then they took it off and they already had it like an obscure time in the morning, like 5 a.m. So I wanted to be able to finish it. I didn't even know until that point there was a second season to Sat AM. I, I didn't even know that. And I was getting ready to record more stuff and there were still more episodes and they changed the time slots again. And instead of getting Sonic's at AM, which it was now on like an hour earlier, I got Sailor Moon. Wow. Uh, I got Sailor Moon, which is the, f I, I guess the, the dub that I've been told I had was the four kids dub. Deke. What, was it the Deke dub? Yeah. Four kids okay. doesn't, four kids never had Sailor Moon. It's always been Deke. <clears throat> yeah, it was it was one of the dumb or the the one the the dubs that like hardcore anime fans look at you and go, oh, you poor soul, um, <laughs> which is which I actually get frustrated with because I technically didn't have too many problems with the dub. There's still actually some voices that I think the Deke dub did better than other uh, than other later dubs did. OK, so like in my opinion, the the Deke dubs, um, Usagi, Serena, whatever you want to call her. I felt was much more tolerable than the later dubs did. They actually like, for some reason, the girl played her as like more annoying. Uh -huh. And that actually drove me nuts <laughs> for some reason. I, I wasn't even the biggest fan of Serena. Like I, I would, I would totally tune out when she was gone, you know, Mizu uh, Amy Mizuno for life, boys and boys and girls. That, that, that was where I was, but that was my first exposure is that I, I got into Sailor Moon so much. So I didn't think I was going to be that interested like, I, I literally wrote it off as like, oh, girl show. <laughs> and finally, just out of curiosity that night, I watched the first episode. And I, I at least got enough curiosity to watch the second one. And then I was kind of hooked. Because <laughs> uh, eventually the, the arc got better and better and better as things went on. It, it literally hit like every button for me. And I wanted to finish it through. Sadly, you couldn't do that. Because not every not every episode was uh, contracted by Deke, so they couldn't go further than like the early Crystal Tokyo arc. Right. So that that's as far as they could go. But I actually had like this long line of VHS tapes that were all Sailor Moon episodes. That was my DVD collection, my first ever DVD collection. That's really weird to admit now, yeah. but that that was my first kind of collection in that regard. the The show that actually kept me into the mag magical girl genre. And it was, again, it was actually kind of by accident that I came across it. I all of a sudden went to a, a rental store one night and just wanted something new to watch. I didn't necessarily care if it was anime or anything like that. And I found one title on this, on the shelf that caught my interest above all others. And it was a, a title by the name of cutie honey. It's like, Huh? And I'll also probably admit I was a teenager. So, yeah, probably boobs also did it, too. <laughs> but um, well, I mean, it was either that or Ghost in the Shell. And right. it was like, which one which one could I actually pass off? And my mom would would actually let me rent kind of thing because it was her money going towards it. And so I, I picked up Cutie Honey and this was the new Cutie Honey that uh, Anime Abandon has reviewed. Um. And there I was actually thinking, oh, wow, this is a really versatile genre because not only can you have the serious stuff like Sailor Moon, but you can have Cutie Honey, which is technically, guys, supposed to be serious, too, but can also spoof itself. It can parody itself to an nth degree. And I'm like, oh, well, that's a lasting franchise right there. It, it, you know, especially to me and in, in my teenage mind is like if you can actually you know, parody yourself and make fun of the tropes that exist within your genre. You're sold to me. Like th th to me, you're going to be here for the next 20 years. And I was technically right. Cause it's been around for at least 20 years, probably even more. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's the thing that got me into it and eventually got me to <laughs> 40 years. So well, yeah. First published in 73. Well, I'm saying like the next 20 years of yeah. my life, like it'll be there. Um, but that, you know, Cutie Honey and Sailor Moon were were eventually the, the things that got me into checking out things like Magical Night Ray Earth. 
Um, oh, what's what are a few others that I've I've checked into? Uh, you've shown me Modica Magica, yeah, and and a number of others that that have caught my interest from time to time. The only thing that I would say doesn't make me the most hardcore fans is that usually when I pick up something that has magical girl traits, it also has traits in something else too. And so I don't know, like to some that would be considered as like, Oh, well you're, you're halfway there. You're, you're not a dedicated fan. Like, well, okay, but I'm at least a fan, right? I think I really can't think of anything that would be truly a pure magical girl. They always accompany something else. I mean, no, Cardcaptor Sakura and Sailor Moon, they're both also, like, overlap with Slice of Life, school, school life kind of stuff. And, you know, you got Monica Magica, which overlaps with horror and sci-fi and uh, cutie. Ray, Ray Earth really, like, if you look at Ray Earth, I mean, it does have the tropes of a magical girl show, but it has more tropes associated with, like, a fantasy show, like, like Lotus War or Slayers, than it does with Magical Girl. Yeah. To me. Yeah. And, to me, uh, at the very least, you got, or you know, an example on my end of that would be Flip Flappers from 2016, which has adventure elements as well as a bit of sci-fi to it. Yep, and we're even getting so. So this is actually going to be uh, for for our viewers that that follow the RSS feed. First of all, welcome. Uh, but this is actually also going to be done live on YouTube. So we actually do have some chat here, and and a bunch of other examples are being brought up. Uh, of other magical girls that are magical girl anime that I wasn't aware of, like uh, Yuki Yuna and Raising Project. I've even got one on Twitter. Some somebody's making a very strong argument that uh, Fate Stay Night, even though it's part of an, a completely different genre, uh, could technically qualify because the most of the combative. Uh, Oh, what what are they like? The aeons or summoned things are girls that have magical properties. Mm. So at that point, it's like, yeah, this could actually have properties within Magical Girl. Oh well, yeah, fate, uh, I never really realized that because Fate Stay Night always the fate the whole Fate series that's a giant franchise by the way. Yeah, uh, that always struck me. I always I've never really looked into it too much beyond I tried the first episode of Fate Zero and I really couldn't get through much more, but. Uh, the whole fate series always struck me as more of epic fantasy, but nah, but oh, apparently it is urban fantasy. Go figure that. Yeah, well, I, I mean, like I said, somebody's just making a compelling argument to me that yeah, you can technically say it's it's part of that genre, even though it, it does have more etchings in like fantasy and and in uh, I would actually say fate or the fate series is is also based in shonen because there's always some kind of like a tournament or something that's attached to the plot. Well, so is Cutie so, Honey. Cutie Honey's yeah. demographic is shonen. Yeah, <laughs> so there you um, go. Or, or another parody one that I, I actually like, and I, I actually think you should watch if you can ever get your hands on it. It's called Project Echo, um, where it, it actually is is sci-fi, but again, it's a ginormous parody to to Magical Girl as well as to the mecha and sci-fi genres of anime. It's it's actually really just really fun to watch. I, I mean, it's an 80s anime, so get ready for, you know, a little bit of hyperviolence and a little bit of, you know, nudity. But uh, it's still actually a really fun romp uh, into making fun of, of at least two or three genres that I love in anime. So with that being said, the next question that we actually need to get into, actually, you know what? I'm going to take a I'm going to take a vein from this Twitter suggestion, which is. What do you th uh, what do you actually think is a magical girl anime that a lot of people wouldn't characterize as kind of thing? Um, and for me, that's that's uh, I think I'd bring up Project Echo. I think that's that's one that, that can be done. Cutie Honey is is another one that can definitely be in that in that category. Um, I can't really think of a modern example because I haven't really seen uh, any modern magical girl esque shows recently um yeah project echo cutie honey i think it's a bit of a stretch but um there are a couple of shonen anime where it's you, you know you do have pro uh oh crap um i can't is it fairy tale yeah fairy tale fairy tale where where it's actually made by the same guy who made the rave master i mean a lot of the the main characters in that are female and, and empowered and through some kind of magic or summoning so at that, I, I think you could actually justify that a little bit. And also another one that comes to mind is Soul Eater. 
another shonen series that that I think has some ties to it. What about you, Alex? You're you're a little bit more of the expert than me. Yeah, I mentioned uh, flip flappers again for because it really it is classified as a magical girl. I mean, it was right out the gate, but it really doesn't have a lot of the same trimmings as it did. It is more of an adventure style kind of setting the but it does have the common traits, you know, girls with magical powers trans kind of transform themselves henshin style, you know, super sentai tokusatsu style and fight yep. monsters. So there you go. Uh, and here's another suggestion that it, that just barely got brought up and I don't recommend to anybody and that is Virgin Fleet. Uh, go watch the anime abandon on that one. You'll see a lot of the problems there, but yes, it does have some ties to like magical girl. Um, just because the premise of it is that all the girls have sacred virgin energy and, and they, I only know this because I've watched the anime abandoned. I, I never saw this thing. And if I ever saw it on a DVD shelf, I wouldn't have picked it up. But yeah, so there, there are a couple of outliers. What would you actually say is a bad example like an example that you wouldn't necessarily recommend to people if they wanted to start in the magical girl genre. Boy, that's tough. I can't think of anything. I, when you say bad example, I mean, do you think of a show that's not good or just something that's not very at this point? I'm kind of I'm kind of open ended. Like if you have multiple answers on it, um, like something that isn't good or doesn't really fit kind of thing. I think either or either or works. Oh, that's tough. I, I, I can already tell you one that you're probably going to get mad about, but hear me out. Um, and, and this is only only based on the premise of like, I would not recommend it to somebody who is walking into the genre blind. And that'd be Modica. The only reason I wouldn't recommend Modica is because the way that Modica is supposed to work is that it's supposed to be a dark take on it. And they're on the genre itself. And so in order for you to truly appreciate it, I think you need to understand the genre before you take it on. So at, at, at that point, I'd probably go more along the lines of like Cardcaptor Sakura to like say that as your starting point and then eventually say, all right, you've seen all this really cool upbeat stuff. How about now you take this dark twist with Madoka? You know, that's the double edged sword of when you get like a genre deconstruction piece like Madoka Magica. Uh I don't know, my mind, my brain kind of wants to default to Yuki Yuna as a hero, uh, but most, only mostly for the fact that Yuki Yuna feels like a bit of a poor man's Madoka Magica, because it was made at, after it, so it really feels like it's trying to be a Madoka Magica, but see, I wouldn't totally be against recommending Madoka Magica to a newcomer, even though it's a, a genre deconstruction and people who are very familiar with the genre will tend to appreciate the cosmic horror elements of it more, but I think Monica Magica is a lot better in its scripting, a lot tighter, where Yuki Yuna leaves a lot of weird and unanswered questions and has a lot of strange ambiguities to it that don't really fit. I mean... So what it sounds to me like is that, like, Yuki Yuna is to Magical Girl what Ava kind of is for Mecha? Not really. Uh, well, maybe to an extent. Where, where things are left, like, a lot of things are left very open-ended. It's more like, I wouldn't even say that, because, I mean, Ava's open-endedness works towards its advantage, where I think with Yuki Yuna, it's more towards a disadvantage. It feels more like a lot of, again, it's like, if you've never seen Madoka Magica, you would never really get the vibe that it's trying to be a copycat. And I don't want to be like, oh, they're definitely ripping it off. I'm trying to be a little fair here, but it's more like it works too much to its detriment, for Yuki Yuna, where with Ava, it works a bit better, the ambiguity there. Yuki Yuna, I think, just has too many confusing elements that don't really make a lot of sense when you start to think about it. There's a lot of great ideas there, though. All right. Um, yeah, th th I think that's I think that pretty much answers that particular question and in a couple of directions. So so people can get that. Uh, the next question that I actually want to get into, and I, I try to do with anything that has kind of a story structure, because I, I love this aspect of any kind of story structure, and that is characters. Uh, because characters shape the story, and you can have a really great story and crappy characters, but you can't necessarily, like, and by crappy, I mean, like, 
people you just despise like you can't get behind any of them and it still kind of works my my example would be attack on titan for a lot of people is like every every single cast member in that is a horrible horrible human being in some aspect but the fact that the the story is the way it is is, is why people are lured to it um in this case like who would be your favorite character of magical girl and then we're also going to do the flip of worst character in a magical girl anime i'd say my favorite character oh this could be i might make this a double-edged sword here but i might make this a two a two header here but uh i'm gonna dip into the monica magica well again one i would say is monica herself our tatilier character and a lot of people always write Monica off as sort of a bland character, but given Monica Magica is a horror story with mag as a magical girl show, you it's sort of like, okay, she is the sort of scared, I think, scared, intimidated audience member here. She's our vessel through through the elements, and she's the foil for everybody else. Everybody in the show which is what their undoings are, is they're driven to their wishes very hastily and very emotionally. And that's really what kind of unfortunately leads them all to their demises at some point. Where Monica, she can't make that wish. She's first, as it starts for her as she doesn't really know what she would want to wish for. It's such a big deal. It's so important. It could be life-changing. And she's, she lives a very blessed life. She has a uh, two parents who love her very much. She has a nice little baby brother she cares about. She has a good home life, goes to a good school, everything. So you can see why, at first, she doesn't really understand what to really wish for. And after that, when they see what happens to Mommy, when Mommy gets killed, she's too scared and too intimidated to do anything. And unfortunately... To an extent, it causes the death of Mommy, it causes the death of Sayaka. And, I mean, it ho makes Homura happy, because Homura doesn't want her to become a magical girl. But And so when Monica finally does stand and make her wish at the end, when she tells Kyubei, I want to, I want to rewrite the laws of the universe here, it makes it all the more impactful, because she's finally... She's made that decision, she's witnessed the consequences of everything, and she's really, at last, made up her mind, she's ready to do what she needs to do. Okay. So, so Monica would be your best example? Did you did you put your worst in there? Uh, worst? Okay. Uh, yeah, once, I'm gonna again fall back on Yuki Yuna here, and that is also the main character, Yuki Yuna. Or, I guess, Yuna Yuki, it should be inverted like that, but... Um, most... I said this in my own review is where pe people call Monica bland and I think they miss the point of what Monica's character is, where Yuna is actually, I think, a very bland character. Nothing about her really accentuates or says this is why she's important as the title character here. It's just like she's just she's the do-gooder and she comes out swinging in the end and Given Yuki Yuna, again, really is trying to emulate the cosmic horror elements of Monica Magica, that's okay. where it's as a ball team. All right. Uh, for me, my my best, I'm going to go into that first because it's actually kind of a tie. Um, you know, after thinking long and hard about it, you know, just trying to get ready for this episode, I couldn't not put these two together. And both of them come from from Sailor Moon um, because I remember loving Amy Mizuno as as a kid not like enough to a point where i kind of had a crush on her and the the only reason being is like that was one of the first times where um g female characters were presented to me where they their looks didn't like make up 90 percent of the character if, if that makes sense to, to people like it wasn't that they were just the the badass girl that was swaying their hips kind of thing it was that she was really really smart and she was a strat like she was a strategist. There was depth to her. I especially loved at least whatever depth we got in later episodes. In fact, one of my favorite Sailor Moon episodes is um, I can't remember the name of it, but it's the one where Amy goes or is going to go on a, a trip abroad to expand her education. 
And yes, it sucks that she's actually going, but at the same time, you feel really good for her because she's having a lot of good things going for her in her life at that point. But you also learn a lot more about her character and and how like her study habits have kind of dictated her life, how she's pretty much a night owl like her like her mom and dad are because they're both doctors. Uh, at least I think that's the story is that her parents are both doctors. Um, and then the, the tying one is Lita Kino from Sailor Moon. And the, the reason that I like Lita is where Amy is super, super smart. Uh, and that actually is what lends a lot of depth to that character. Lita is basically got tons of gumption, tons of instinct, tons of, uh, tons of, for lack of a better term, spunk. Like she, she's kind of the, the, oh, I, I'm trying to think of a best way to, to do this without going weird is, um, She's she's usually kind of the Yusuke Urameshi of it is like she's not necessarily needing to know every single detail. She just needs to know that this evil being needs to be taken care of kind of thing. And that's all that that needs to be addressed with her. And even some of the depth that we actually got in. Again, I watched the Deke dub, so don't hold that against me. Uh, the Deke dub of Sailor Moon. I One of my favorite episodes with her is when you get to meet a guy friend of hers that is like a, a childhood friend. And he gets hurt in a monster attack so much so that he needs a blood transfusion. And she's the only one that can give it. And that actually affects her the entire episode where she's now completely weak from the blood transfusion that she can't actually fight the monster. But she's still dead set on doing so. Like, that's her dedication. Another one that I guess could be brought up is like any shonen protagonist. Goku, Naruto, that's really how Lita kind of works. So that would be my example of best and my worst. I'm trying to step outside of Sailor Moon here, guys, but that's that's like a majority of of my experience into the mag magical girl genre. And it kind of encompasses a lot of what I don't like in, in the genre as well. And that's going to be Usagi, a.k.a. Serena. She's just she's annoying as crap to me. Like like when things get hard. The first instinct for any of the other Sailor Scouts, like I, I, I'm not even a big fan of Ray or Mina in that. Uh, they kind of annoy me too. But their their first instinct is let's transform. Let it's go time. Let's go fight. Serena's first instinct is to fall down on her knees and cry rivers of tears. Okay, that that always bothered me, and it it's actually one of the reasons, believe it or not, I don't like Shinji Akari. Okay, because to me, that's what it feels like he's doing. Is like, holy crap, he's sitting in the train in the train and just listening to his music, and oh my gosh, the angels are coming to destroy the city. Get in the wake the fuck up and get in your robot. You know? That that's kind of one of the issues that I have with it. But I also do want to mention this as a worst too, is where there's a lot of really great examples of magical girl uh characters that that work as inspirations. Unfortunately, there is a dark side to Magical Girl in the fact that um, certain artists who now currently love to do hentai were considered auteurs of the Magical Girl genre. In particular, Masami Obari is one that's that's referenced. And yes, I have even seen a very logical argument from people saying Angel Blade is a Magical Girl anime. And that that's also a worst that I would have is like overly sexualized um, magical girl anime, because at, at that point, in a lot of cases. It's not necessarily because I get it sex sells, but the the issue there is that there's not a whole lot of character built into that as a foundation to begin with. And most of it is just, oh, look, boobs. If that makes sense. So. I'm not even going to give an example on that one, but if you need one, Angel Blade kind of thing. Like, that's that's considered one. Cutie Honey would technically fall into this, but since it's such a parody anyway, I don't I don't count it in that regard. So if you if you want to actually <laughs> make an argument there, then then you're more than welcome to. But because, I mean, we're actually correct me if I'm wrong. We're also starting to see some magical girl anime kind of shift back in that direction, aren't we? Into what the lighter campier in, in, stuff? In, into over sexualizing the characters. Oh, I don't know. I I wouldn't say necessarily yes or no. It it really will just depend on the show. 
I can I can honestly tell you if you stretch the definition, then probably. But uh, because, I again, people can justify a whole lot of things. And, and just as much as I've seen people justify like um, the the Fate series as being a magical girl kind of show. Um, I've also seen a lot of people make the justification and also fairy tale also kind of gets such that, ju- that justification, too. Um, I've also seen series like Witchblade, the the anime rendition of Witchblade or Queen's Blade get brought up as ma- technically magical girl anime shows. I mean, yeah, if you if you want to be very, very general, because they yeah, do like, have magic to... in them. Yeah, if you want to stretch the definition to to be as generalized as as what Witchblade needs to be. And and I would actually say Witchblade doesn't count because there was already a comic series before that. And I would actually say I can't say that anymore because Monica has changed the equation there where Monica took things really dark. Um, Witchblade was is a very, very dark comic. Mm-hmm. So at that point, you can't necessarily make that argument anymore, I guess. A lot of magical girls start off as manga, so... Yeah. Uh, so I guess so. So moving on into the next question, we've had best characters and worst characters. Um, kind of going into what we've actually talked about before is like, what is one series that you would recommend to not necessarily as like a gateway into the the genre, but like, what is one magical girl anime you recommend that any anime fan should at least see once? I would again, um. I would actually suggest both. I would suggest the original card Captor Sakura series, and I would suggest Monica Magica. Monica Magica, even though like you're walking into something that's very warped. Yeah, I mean, even though I, even though it is a genre deconstruction, you can it. It still doesn't like. It's not like it's something you need to know. Just knowing the tropes and knowing what it is, kind of undoing or unraveling or dissecting. It still, you'll still appreciate it regardless, I feel like. It's like, I saw Evangelion before seeing really any big giant robot shows. I mean, maybe I saw one or two here or there, but when I saw Evangelion, it's not like I was super immersed in the mech genre. I still appreciated Evangelion because it's really, I think, interesting storytelling, you know, great action sequences, so on and so forth, you know, and it's like, Monica Magica, of course, I appreciated because it was a weirdly cosmic horror take on an otherwise very peppy subgenre of anime that is the, the magical girls. But if if somebody likes horror, but maybe doesn't like, you know, really gory horror or a lot of like the more sexualized horrors like Witchblade or High School of the Dead, I think, <laughs> oh, yeah, I think Monica Magica would be would be a really great way for that. It's just sort of. Where, where your tastes lie. If you like a lot of like classical, really fun fantasies, Cardcaptor Sakura is good for you. If you are, again, like a somebody who really is interested in like horror or maybe more mature subjects, even if, or maybe if you're not ready to take quite a huge, a deep dive into the, to the real darkness of Monica Magica, then, but you want more of a, like a serious take, even, then I could probably even recommend Princess Tutu. I'm not a huge fan of Princess Tutu personally. I have I have friends, including our channel artist Marta. She's a big fan of that series. Mm-hmm. But it I've, is... I've seen a review from uh, Yezu Otaku on it, but it wasn't enough to to get me to watch. Yeah, uh, like I said, n- my myself, I myself, not a big fan. It, but I think it has a very interesting premise, given it's centered around like about a young little ballerina. So, and it is a lot. It is certainly a little more serious. A little a little bit into the darkness. I didn't get very far, so I don't I don't think it goes quite cosmic horror Monica Magica style, but I know it is a, a fairly heavier series than say Card Captor. Okay. Um for for a recommendation that I would make to somebody who who wants to try it, I I I have to go with what I think is kind of the standard bearer um in the magical girl genre anyway, especially with the reboot and that I would recommend Sailor Moon Crystal. Um, believe it or not, guys, I, I have actually watched a few more episodes since then. And I actually, I, I like it a lot more in their story choices than I did the original Sailor Moon. Um, yes, it's still got some of the campy silliness that, that the original series had, but Crystal, I think is a much more serious approach. And since it's inspired by the manga, it, it is only helped by it. So, you know, it's one of those things where I, I get that, uh, 
you know, where, where you would want to do a, a deviation like Modica. But if, if somebody wanted like a, an introductory take on the genre itself, I, I can't think of a, another place to go to other than than Sailor Moon. Sailor Moon is, is pretty much what embodies it. it. It's basically the Dragon Ball Z of Magical Girl to me. It's the best example to try and show what it is. And we even got some in the chat. We've even gotten some suggestions of other Magical Girl shows. I can't even believe I forgot this one. Revolutionary Girl Utena. Uh, it's considered magical girl. I've I've even seen a lot of people go into the uh, the fantasy genre, and their justification was using Romeo X Juliet uh, as basically saying, well, if th if this can pull off like a Shakespearean kind of experience, then so can Utena. And mm -hmm. I actually think, yeah, Utena can be justified as a magical girl show. Boy, I'm not sure on that one. I don't recall them having magic, but I only like saw the movie, so don't take my word on it. Don't don't base it on the movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the movie the movie is weird. So the reason I know this is because I've seen in one night where I, I had to go to Colorado for work and one of our coworkers decided to have like a big anime party and I got exposed to a lot of stuff. And one of the things I got exposed to was the utina movie but then afterwards she actually had a copy of the subs and uh and i actually got to see, i didn't see the entire series i was too tired everybody else got to see the rest but i was able to see a few episodes and i would say it's it's a mixture it's magical girl it's a slice of life but it's also um i don't even know like monica would fall under this too where they they decide to do a lot of for lack of a better term, mind fuckery and it, and it works kind of thing. But you know, you've seen the movie where, where they, they took the mind fuckery to the nth degree. The series is a lot, is a little bit more serious about it. So I would actually say, yeah, I think that's, that's a justification. And we even have somebody disagreeing with you that they like, uh, you know, Yuka. Uh, Yuki Yuna. So, or Yuki. I don't hate, yeah. I don't hate Yuki Yuna. I like a lot of the concepts there, especially the especially the idea that there was a magical girl in a wheelchair which was really i think a novel concept it's just i feel like the series squandered a lot of its potential yeah. just trying to be a uh, just trying to be a modica clone mm. i and another thing i'd probably recommend if you don't want to go down the mainstream route um sakura is is also a, another really good one that um i think falls under magical girl that that you can make you can make work. Um, it's just one of those things that makes me kind of sad that when the dub approached it kind of in a weird, dark way, even yeah. though they, they didn't really go that dark, uh, the series goes very, 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 very lighthearted. And oh, so yeah. <laughs> like one, one thing I would definitely not recommend is go watch the intro and like an episode of the dub and then go watch like the actual subbed version because it, it's whiplash. It is. It's like the... you. <laughs> Uh, that is something I should have mentioned is the U.S. the localization really tried to make it look a lot edgier than it really is. You know, the theme song, the music, it's all very kind of like a weird, darker, edgier. But obviously they can only do so much considering they're just readapting existing episodes. It's not like they're doing much more. OK, um, another one that I, I personally want to ask is a, a favorite of yours. And you've talked about it. I don't know how many times. In fact, it was it's actually been kind of difficult on recording session days because he wants to go watch it on Netflix. Little Witch Academia. Would that would that count? Yeah, I would count that. It, you know, it's kind of like because I've seen people make the justification of like, no, it's not anime. It is an like, anime. I thought it was made by an anime studio. It is. It's made by Trigger, which is yeah, made so, up somebody made the justification. But no, it's like Avatar. I'm like. No, no, it's not. You make that sound like that's a bad thing, but I you like know, Avatar. If you so. want to, make, I mean, to make the Avatar argument would assume like it was all done in like Korea or something. But no, it was maybe made, they didn't know it was an anime studio that did it. Yeah, it's by Trigger, and Trigger's like made up of a lot of former Gainax people. So, yeah, Matt, yeah, with Little Witch Academia, definitely a magical girls show. It's kind of like. The anime version of Harry Potter, only all female, My, and minus Lord Voldemort, minus the houses, but it very similar kind of base to it. Kind of, you know, go to a witch school, learn how to become a witch. I love that show. That's a really good show. So I could definitely recommend that one. Okay. And then, uh, unfortunately, we're running out of time, but I do want to at least get this additional question in before we we call it a day. Um. This is one of the questions that I try to end these podcasts on is like, where do we see this genre going in the future? 
Now, we can already say for this year that um, while there are some new shows that have come out in previous years, the stuff that's out right now is basically remakes because you have so uh, Card Capture Soccer, a clear card. Well, that's not a remake. That's a sequel. Yeah, but but it's it's an it's an original or it's it's an existing property. Yes. What I mean is like um, new properties. We don't really have any this year. Um, so where do we actually see the genre going forward? Do we see more reboots happening or do we actually see like more new properties coming into the fold? I think we'll probably get a bit of both. I think we're if clear card if clear card is a big success and probably it will be because it is a popular manga. It's a popular anime and it's a follow up. So I'm sure it's get, grabbing a ton of attention. We'll probably start to see a few more reboots on the horizon. Uh, but I also wouldn't rule out any new adaptations of any new of either magical girl manga or or like, smartphone do we, do games. We see, do we see um like when, when did Monica come out? Like, like 2011, 2011. So like, let's just say for the sake of argument, 2021 rolls around. Do we see Monica getting remade? I don't think so. I don't see that getting remade anytime soon. Uh, maybe by 2021, hopefully we'll finally get the belated sequel that we've been promised for the last four years. But um, yeah, I don't see a Monica remake anytime soon. A, a potential continuation, maybe? Uh, I'd say more likely we'd see another take on one of its many manga sh offshoots. Okay, because uh, the, the reason I bring it up is like, I mean... I don't necessarily call Crystal a remake because it isn't necessarily. It's actually, it's it's weird in that concept where it's different from, perfect example I can give is FMA 2003 and FMA Brotherhood, okay? Where they, they have kind of the similar premise. The stories are different enough that they, they feel different. Uh, and, and part of the reason is because Brotherhood is based more on the manga, whereas 2003 FMA went its own direction kind of thing. And, and it took its own... Uh, it took its own uh, creativity with, with the property kind of thing. Um, so at that point, like that, that's how I see crystal as compared to the original sailor moon is like, since it's following the manga, it's a little bit truer to the property, if that makes sense. Uh, but we also have gotten a couple of other examples and yeah, I guess you could toss this one in there, but it, it kind of falls into that love hate relationship for me. And that's kill the kill. I've seen pieces of kill the kill. And my issue with it is that, even though there are good characters to be had in there, it falls into that really, it falls into that sexualized line because I don't like the, the premise of like how I don't remember the main character's name, but how the character gets her powers and how it's kind of, well, forced on her kind of thing. So that, that's one of those things where it's just like, yeah, that, that adds a level of creepy to me that I, I just can't get over. But, um, where, where do I see things going forward? I'm kind of in there with you is magical girl along with Shonen is open-ended enough that as long as you can adhere to the tropes that exist, um, you can do new properties with it. I mean, you got, you've all, you and uh, the chat have shown me a, a number of examples that are recent that I, I wasn't aware of that would fit into that. Uh, but I also see a lot of, a lot of stuff getting remade. I I've heard rumors who knows how many years now that Ray earth is being considered for a reboot. Uh, that would be cool. As far as I'm concerned, I think Ray earth actually had a lot of really good fantasy potential for me. Uh, crystal obviously happened and clear card is out there. So yeah, I, I see remakes happening. In fact, I would not be surprised if in the, like the next three or so years we get a cre we get a CUNY honey reboot. Because it's been a while since Cutie Honey's had an anime out, at least to my knowledge. I know that they did the live action movie way back when, but I, I think Cutie Honey is is due for a reboot at some point. I know that, and, and my only evidence on this, guys, is I don't know if, if people know that I'm a Mecha fan and you guys were linking like mad to me the new Mazinger um, trailer that got dropped. And if you're already doing one of Gona Guy's works, then others are going to follow. And, and in fact, I think devil man rebirth or whatever it's called that's that's based on the devil man series so there's that's two of gona guys so yeah cutie honey has to be oh there there you go we actually got it confirmed in the chat cutie honey is coming out this spring so there you go it's coming 
Well, and that's actually going to go ahead and do it for this podcast. So thank you guys so much for joining us. And if people want to be able to ask us more on the magical girl genre or other possible topics that we can bring up on why we geek Alex, the shadow blazer. First of all, thank you for coming on such short notice, by the way, how do people get a hold of you to, to keep this discussion going? Well, you can follow me here on YouTube. Shadow Blizzard 3000 is my channel and I do produce anime content. I just barely, as of this video, as of even doing this podcast, even put out my brand new review. And uh, if you want to always be up to date on what I'm thinking or whatever, when I put out a new video, follow me on Twitter at Alex J. Short. All right. And if you guys want to follow me, uh, you can do so at, on Twitter at Drac2326 and bring up anime with me. I, I will occasionally get into that discussion with you. A lot of people bring up Mecha to me, but I have no problem going into Lotus War, Dragon Ball. Uh, pretty much as long as I know what it's about, then I'll get into it. And if I don't, then I'll at least go and do a little bit of homework and, and see if it's something that will interest me. Heaven knows I've gotten enough recommendations ever since doing podcasting. Uh, and then you could also follow everything going on on my YouTube channel on Facebook, which is DracLP. So all you have to do is look for is DracLP and you'll get updates on all the stuff that's coming out on the channel as well as any stuff that might be coming soon. But the biggest thing that I would ask that you guys do is support the Why We Geek podcast. And the best way to be able to do that is subscribe to our RSS feed, which is whywegeek.podomatic.com. And you can also subscribe by looking for Why We Geek on iTunes and on Google Play for, Am or for I keep on saying Amazon users and it doesn't work, for Android users uh, on Google Play. So that's the best way to be able to support this. And you can also follow the Why We Geek podcast on Twitter at Why We Geek. Uh, so... And for those who are brand spanking new to the podcast, this is usually kind of a once a month deal where I take on a topic and, and we try to make it work on a once a month kind of basis. And you're more than welcome to make recommendations. You can even recommend people to, to talk about it because I'll, I'll at least uh, reach out to them and see if they want to want to do an episode. But yeah, th those are the ways to be able to support the podcast. And thank you guys so much for joining us tonight for this new edition which is why we geek live on YouTube. And maybe if you guys like this, we can do more of them, uh, specifically when we have YouTuber hosts. And of course, we will see you guys next time for the next episode of Why We Geek.